Wasn't that a wonderful testimony? Amen. You know, uh, I, I probably heard that testimony before, but it wasn't until recently it really struck me. And perhaps I've never heard it before. It was my first time. But sometimes what I do is that uh, many times I will listen to a sermon while I'm sleeping very softly. And uh, Jason Younger, the, the guy who read my audio book, he's a very pleasant voice, as you can hear. Um, so I just play softly. If you do that, make sure you are considered for your partner, okay, on your phones. But uh, sometimes we go through challenges in our life where it's especially a, a, a trial of faith during that time. You know, we go to different seasons in life where there are certain challenges. That's the best time to just listen to the Word of God, especially if you wake up in the middle of the night and you are fearful or you have your thoughts going, you know, crazy and all that. It's so good to wake up and hear a voice speaking to you like that. God's Word. Amen. So one of those moments when I woke up recently, a few weeks ago, I heard this testimony. And I thought I never heard the testimony before. It was amazing. 20 years of back pain. And you don't know what back pain is like until you've suffered that. But 20 years of back pain, he cannot play with his children. Since he was a young boy, he had it. And uh, um, just to have that instantaneously healed by listening to one of the broadcasts, I thought it was amazing. And I just want to share with you that wonderful testimony because I know that some of you go through that and all that. Well, your suddenly might happen. It might be this service, might be somewhere, but you know, when God does it, God does it in an amazing way. We thank God for chiropractors, osteopaths. We thank God for all the people in the medical profession that help us. But when God heals, no one heals the way He does. Amen? And God can bring chronic situations whereby you probably say that, well, I've given up on my healing because I've been having it for 7 years, 10 years, 13 years, 15 years, maybe 20 years like Marcus. But you suddenly can happen anytime. Amen. And before you know it, you are healed. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, when you come to, to the presence of the Lord, like what we do, church is not a building, but church is a gathering of God's people. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And we come to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's altogether lovely. Amen. No one is like him. You know, when you go to work, uh, you know that you're going to work in an environment where you're supposed to put out your conduct, your behavior, and what you do is paramount. Who you are, right, what you are, is not important. When they, they interview you, they interview based on what you can bring to the company, not what the company can do for you. Amen. And the moment you, you, uh, you lose that capacity, or you're no longer profitable, then you're no longer of use in that position. They might not um, uh, put you out of the company, they might relocate you, but again, it's like telling you you are no more profitable, and that's how they assess you. Unfortunately, this is the world that our children are stepping into. It's, it's the world system, right? But in the kingdom of God, when you lose your, your, your usefulness and your capacity to produce, or you go through seasons whereby you are going through a valley, a valley season, and you don't feel like praying, you don't feel like doing anything. You probably are under attack, or maybe not, it's your own foolishness. Whatever it is, you're going through that dark time. The Lord never leaves us, nor forsakes us. You know, the, the psalmist David, in his Psalm 23, the most people's favorite psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Notice when he starts off that psalm, he says the Lord, he speaks in the third person. The Lord is my shepherd. Like he's talking to, 
to you. He's telling you, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I have everything I need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then he comes to this. He's going to the valley now. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So there's a dark season in it. But notice, he changes from the third person to the second person. He's talking to the Lord directly now. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So when it comes to your, your valley times, it's a time to talk to the Lord. Even when you feel frustrated, you know, I, um, sometimes I just find that I, I don't even have a prayer left. I, I, don't know what, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's, what's happening, you know, to me or, or around me. And I don't even have a prayer to pray to God. But you know, at that time, you can just tell Him, Lord, I don't have a prayer. But talk to Him. Amen? Tell Him, like David, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And thank God, He says, Yea, do I walk through true you're not going to be in a valley to stay you're going to go through amen. amen to the other side and he prepares you a table for you to enjoy and feast upon not in the absence of your enemies but in the presence of your enemies so while you still have the bodily symptoms while you still have your challenges while your your debt you know um, uh, looms insurmountable like a mountain in front of you amen while you see your problems God says, eat. It's hard sometimes to eat. We don't have the appetite to eat when we are in a valley. But he says, eat. Now, he's not referring to physical eating, but spiritual eating. Feast on Jesus. And that's what you have come to do. Give him praise. Praise the Lord. He's altogether lovely. And remember this. Somehow, we need to repent. And repent means change your mind. See, I, I preach repentance. People don't realize how much I preach repentance. The best kind of repentance happens unconsciously. As the word goes forth, you are changing your mind. And some things we have to change our minds about. We, we tend to bring the worldly system, like uh, you are of value, what you can contribute, the bottom line, the profit margin. If you can contribute to that, you are of value, we'll promote you, we'll, we'll supply you the, the office space, the help you need, but as long as you are profitable. But that's not God's kingdom. God's, somehow we have, we have brought this system into the kingdom of God. Do you remember Elijah, when he was a man of faith? Right? He spoke the word to the king, Ahab, all right? the, a bad king. And he says that there'll be no dew nor rain all right? until I speak it. And it, it, ha it happened. He's a man of faith. It happened. There was famine for three years. Remember what God did for him? The Bible tells us that he was at the brook Cherith. In the day of his faith, the ravens fed him. And then a widow woman gave him bread. But in the day of his depression, in the day that he said, Lord, take my life, he was discouraged because one woman, Jezebel, promised to kill him and he fled. So it was a valley season, didn't it? He was going through a dark time and, and he was depressed. He said, that, God, just take my life. Well, you know what? God never took his life. He never died and he never died until now. Elijah is still alive in heaven. He was whisked off in a chariot of fire. He's now in heaven. I don't know which part of heaven he is in. He probably just welcomed uh, Billy Graham. 
and Billy Graham's homegoing. I always tell people uh, these past few days, imagine his homecoming, Billy Graham. Here and there, they'll come to him and say, you got me safe, you know, you got me safe, you got, you got me safe, you got me safe. I mean, imagine the, the whole row of people, and then, like the Red Sea, it will just part, and then Jesus will walk right in the center. Amen. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. He's a young, tall, handsome man right now. Amen. Praise the Lord in heaven. We thank God for his ministry. Uh, a dairy farm boy in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Just a simple boy. And, and God used him to speak to more people alive than anyone in history. Amen. Not just by his preaching ministry and his crusades and rallies, but also in, uh, on television and, and, and the media. It's just amazing. Well, how many are glad that God doesn't always answer your prayer? Elijah says, Lord, let me die. And he's the only man that's still alive until now. Amen? In heaven somewhere. So, in the day of his depression, in the day of his faith, ravens fed him. In the day of his depression, angels attend to him by making food for him. And then God himself fed him. Isn't that amazing? You see that we need to change our mind. We think that because we are depressed, God leaves us aside. You know, when you are full of faith, then God favors you. And no, yeah, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But God loves His people. Amen. God wants to know that you are more important than what you do. You know, we all know the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? How uh, it all started with a question: Who is my neighbor? Someone asked Jesus. So Jesus shared the parable. But what we forget is that the whole chapter does not end with a parable. It ends in the book of Luke. It ends with something that happened that actually gives us the key to how to be the Good Samaritan. Now, Jesus told the man at the end, Go and do thou likewise. He told the man. Then Jesus went into a house of Martha and Mary. And the Bible says Mary sat at Jesus' feet. And Martha was busy, cumbered in serving. And then she came angry. Right? She was stressed out and she says, Lord, don't you care? My sister has left me alone to serve. And the Lord says, Martha, Martha, you are careful. And see, the Lord didn't rebuke her for her much serving. But he corrected her for her. You are careful and troubled about many things. But Mary has chosen the good thing, that one thing. One thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen it to see that Jesus feet and to listen to his word. So that is the key to go and do thou likewise, to be the good Samaritan. Unless we are in his presence, unless we have learned, we have heard from him, we cannot go and do. So Christianity is not about going and doing. Amen. It's about, about hearing him, receiving from him, and then you can go and do. No, so no company will come, and you come to a company you, you, when, during your interview, you don't say, to the interviewer, what can your company do for me? Right? By the way, the door is over there. Next, right? But in the kingdom of God, God is telling you, this is what I'll do for you. Grace is not what you can do. In fact, God will tell you, please don't do anything because there's nothing I want. Nothing you do can produce the result that God wants. Amen. So God says, receive from me. It's the only kingdom that does that. Can I have a good Amen. And therefore, all the parables of Jesus is about the protagonists of the parables are always the, the prodigal or the, the losers or the last, the least, the lost. 
They are the ones that win the best. They are the ones that get the blessings. They are the, one that, the ones that enjoy His favor. The lost or the last will become the first. Or the least of these seeds can move a mountain. So we, we missed it. We need to change our minds. We, we miss it when we think that, that God is after big, strong, you know, uh, to get things done. We got to really go out there, you know, and God really wants that kind of faith, that kind of uh, 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 active, when actually God is saying, pull back, go back. So in this, in this year of Hasid wisdom, I believe God is going to give us wisdom that is full of grace and gracious wisdom. Amen. Now, for that, let's read this portion here because I just want to tell you that uh, Jesus' ministry is like that. When Isaiah, the prophet that lived 400 over years before Jesus came uh, to Bethlehem as a baby, prophet Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah that is to come will have these characteristics. This will mark his ministry. What do you think it will be? A king ruling from his throne, someone who subjugate all other nations, someone who has power, riding on a horse, no, he gave us this word of the Messiah. Matthew 12, verse 20. A bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory. Like what he said, what Isaiah said of the Messiah is this: he will have a ministry where a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. Now, what is this? He's using the the, the picture. Uh, illustrations of the day that he lived in and the day that Jesus lived in later on. All right, uh, A Bruce Reed, a reed is like this. You find this, this from Israel. In fact, uh, this is one of our guys uh, in my trip that uh, we saw reeds growing. These are strong, big reeds. They are also small reeds, of course, baby reeds and all that. Okay, And you use reeds for, for uh, walking stick for elderly people. They use it for measuring rod during the time of Jesus. And the children use the smaller reeds to make a pipe. Okay? Here we have a child blowing on a pipe by the Lake of Galilee. <laughs> so we, we found this reed. One day, uh, the pastors and I were by the, by the Lake of Galilee, and uh, we saw this reed on the beach. So I, I told them, hey, let's illustrate this. I, this verse came to my mind about a bruised reed he will not break. So I had Pastor Joe uh, play on the reed. But you can see that the, the reed is broken. Can you see that? So it's a bruised reed. The word bruised is actually crushed. So the reed, uh, children will use this, make holes in them, and it becomes a fruit, it becomes a pipe. And they play beautiful music. But the moment it's cracked, just like your straw, when it's bruised, you cannot drink anymore. And you throw it away readily, right? Because why? Straws are plenteous. Just like reeds, reeds are plenteous. So children, you'll just throw it away. I mean, they're easy to find, amen? There are a lot of reeds by the, uh, the river bank, the river Jordan, and, and by the Sea of Galilee. There are a lot of reeds everywhere, you know, in the jo Jordan area especially. You find a lot of reeds. So for them, they can just throw away the bruised reed. But Jesus will not throw you away. He will not chuck you aside. Even when you're bruised, amen, he will not break you. When you have lost your song, you're no more bringing forth a musical tune. You feel like your, your life is no more a great testimony, amen. He will not put you aside. He loves you. Now, no, no employer does that. Amen. No one, no one, you know, uh, say, okay, you're here because, uh, you know, we feel for you. All right. We'll give you a good bonus this, this year. All right. Because uh, for some reason, you've gone through a lot of depression, so you get extra bonus. You know, no, no such thing. Amen. 
So we, 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 we need to understand, we need to repent. This is a repentance. Change your mind. That is not the way the kingdom of God works. When you are discouraged, allow yourself to be loved. It's not easy because I am the one that wrote uh, Live the Let Go Life. Right? But there are times after you write the book, you wish you didn't write the book. You might have written other books instead. Like the power of God's word or something like that. Instead of live the let go life, how to find freedom from fear, worry, and all that. And sometimes I, 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 I start thinking about certain things and I'm expressing yourself. And, I, and then Wendy is uh, uh, telling me, don't worry about it. Then right behind me, there's a five-year-old voice that says, live the let go life, man. <laughs> I turn around, he's laughing at me. You know? And uh, so sometimes, you know, you wish, oh man, I wish somebody else wrote that book, you know? But you have to leave out that book, isn't it? You have to leave out the principles. And that's a challenge. So I know that some of you, you know the truths, but there are seasons that you go through the valley. There are seasons whereby you, you find yourself being, uh, uh, um, being attacked and an onslaught of fear, worry, uh, depression coming against your mind, your heart. What is God's attitude towards you at that time? Well, a Bruce Reed, when you lose your song, he has not lost his. He will sing over you. He will rejoice over you. Amen? And He will keep you close. He will be with you. His rod and His staff, they'll comfort you. Amen? Then a smoking flax, He will not quench. What is a smoking flax? Now, uh, in a few days' time, some of you will be in Israel with me. All those who are going to Israel, say hallelujah. Okay, those who are not going, say oh my. Okay. Now, when you go to Israel, some places you go to, they give you this uh, freely. I mean, it's like a, a, a gift, a souvenir. Some places you have to buy. This small earthen, like Aladdin's lamp. You know, have you seen that kind of uh, earthen lamp? And then at the, at the tip, there is a small wig. A wig is like a small piece of cloth. Usually it's white. And in the times of Jesus, it is actually a, a wig that's this big. And uh, the little cloth, the flax, is actually made of linen. Okay, made of linen. So what they do is that they burn one corner of it and the other side goes, touches the, uh, the other tip touches the oil. So if there's oil, the fire will burn. Amen? It will burn as long as the oil lasts. But what happens when there's no oil? And not just that, when it's wet, it rains or whatever. You know what happens to the, you all know what happens to the candle, right? When, it, when it's blown out or it's, it is extinguished. There's smoke. And you don't like the smell of smoke. Maybe you are into aromatherapy, you know. You put all those uh, little candle lights and, you know, you put them. And then when, when they, they are extinguished, there's a smoke. No more frankincense, no more lavender, no more lemongrass. All right? You smell, ugh. Well, you know something? When you are burnt out, when you are charred, there's no more oil. There's no more anointing. You don't even feel like you're anointed anymore. And you're giving out smoke, not a good testimony, not a nice aroma. You're giving, that, uh, giving out bad smoke. While you are smoking, the Lord will not quench you. In other words, He will let you smoke in His presence. A smoking flax He will not quench. He will just let you, you know, burn, you know, and all your, your testimonies, whatever, is, is not good anymore, but He will just let it, He will not quench you. You'll say that you're not good for anything because a piece of cloth can be easily cut off from somewhere you're no good other people just throw you out because why smoking flax i mean a flax a flax is cheap 
It's dime a dozen. You can find it anywhere. You can throw it out. How much more? A, a one is charred, that's burned. You throw it away, isn't it? But he will not throw you away. Amen? He will not quench you. He will love you. And he will love you to what? He will love you to victory. Till he sends forth justice to victory. That means he will execute justice on your behalf. If there's an enemy, the devil has come in to destroy or to kill or to steal or whatever, he will execute justice on the enemy and give you victory. Can I have a good amen? In fact, this word victory here, when Isaiah prophesied this, this from Matthew, the fulfillment of it, of, of, the, of our Lord Jesus, but when Isaiah prophesied this, Isaiah actually said, justice to, for truth. Notice, instead of victory, he calls it truth. Why? Because compare them together, truth is what gives you victory. Right now, you're hearing the truth. You know what happens when you hear the truth? You get victory. Can I have a good amen? The world does not give you truth. Yes, they give you facts. Even then, you got to sort through the lies and the exaggerations and the, the, the double talk and all that. Even in, in, in all the, the, the media of the world and the social media that we are hooked up so intric intricately, we have to sort out to find truth. But how many are glad that in God's word, you don't have to sort it out? Sort it out. It's complete truth. And truth is what sets you free. You can have a good amen. So to understand Hasid wisdom, uh, we need to understand this. That 1 Corinthians 1 tells us, where is the wise, where is the scribe? Where is the debater, the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? So the world has wisdom, but God has made foolish their wisdom. Like I told you just now, the wisdom of the world says, don't employ people that are not profitable for the company. That's, that's good wisdom for people who start their business, isn't it? Right? It's the wisdom of the world. But the wisdom of God says, right, uh, yeah, use people that, that are loyal, people who are good to you, and, and they will turn out to be some of the best people that you can have. Well, Jack Ma learned there that women can be a strong, powerful source, I mean, a channel of productivity. Amen? So Alibaba should be called Ali Bibi. <laughs> if ever he turns there, okay, I want a portion, I want a portion, okay? Just for the rights to the name. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God to the foolishness of the message preached, to save, to heal, to preserve, to bless. That's all in that word, save. Those who believe. For Jews request a sign. The word sign here is also the word for miracles. All right? Jesus did many signs. This is the first sign that Jesus did. Miracles. Miracles, signs, the supernatural occurrence. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. Today is still true, okay? The European nations, the Western civilization, they are more after intellect, after wisdom, natural wisdom, wisdom, not of God, but of intellect. Whereas the Jews, they desire for miracles. They see supernatural occurrences in everything, even in numbers. There's a, a, a thing called the Mafria. They see things in, in uh, uh, the cosmos of the world, the stars, not, not, not astrology, but astronomy, uh, the moon and the, the blackouts and the eclipses and all that, they see meaning in that. But the thing is this, but the Bible says the Jews re, uh, uh, look for a sign and great thing of the wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, instead of a miracle, they see it as a stumbling block. And to the Greeks, foolishness instead of wisdom. 
the cross. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God that produces the miracles. And Christ crucified is the wisdom of God that gives you true wisdom that you are seeking for. Now how is that so? How is that so? Well, look at the cross. Who would have thought that the answer to the world's problems is in the cross? Amen? But before that, let's, let's go on first. Let's drop down to the next one. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. As if there's any foolishness in God. We know there's none. But it's a way of expressing that even if there's a foolishness, it's wiser than men. And the weakness of God, as if there's weakness, but even the weakness of God is greater than men. For you see, according, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh. Now, he didn't say none. He says not many. Wise according to the flesh. Wise in the natural. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. Have you noticed that God doesn't call many, not, not, he doesn't call at all, but not many achievers, movers, and shakers are called. But he uses simple dairy farm boys to bring good news to the largest number of people. Amen. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound or to put to shame the things which are mighty. Now look at the cross. If you look at the cross, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, you don't know what happened, you just see a man dead there. The Jews, they look at it, and it's a stumbling block instead of a sign. How is that a power of God? I see a man bleeding, naked, you know, in shame, dying on the cross, and, and, and the world is mocking him. How is that? How is that a, a victory? The Greeks look at that, and they say, how is that wisdom? It's, it looks like someone lost. He's hanging there on the cross. But for us, it's the power of God and the wisdom of God. Why? If only we step behind, we see God's wisdom and His chaset and wisdom together. We see that, that actually when the devil, we saw this for the past weeks, that the devil is a legalist. And remember this, he's looking at how God maintains. The Bible says righteousness builds up his throne. God's throne is based on justice. On equanimity, it is based on, on, on righteousness. So if God ever, ever, even the slightest infringement on his righteousness, the devil will say, God, your throne is shaken. You're right? God's throne is no more God's throne. And you know that he's next in line. Well, you say, Pastor, what do you mean? Get that message that I preached a few weeks ago. Okay, that there is this uh, reality that's not preached often, but you will find that the devil is actually believing that he could actually take God's place. And because he was looking whether God would compromise his righteousness. Now, how can God, how can God accept sinful men when God is holy? Now, God wants to, the devil has no doubt. God desires to, the devil has no doubt. But how can God maintain His righteousness? Because mercy cannot be exercised at the expense of righteousness. So how can God, like, how can God accept sinful Gabriel into His presence? Right? Even though he tries to sing. How can God bring him into His presence and still maintain His holiness, still maintain His righteousness? So the devil will say, Lord, you know, you're compromising. How can you? Your word says you would by no means clear the guilty. So the wisdom is the cross. 
The devil never expected the cross. He's not in his wildest dreams. No one expected the cross. But God so loved the world that God gave his son. Amen. And don't forget, God used the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. He came as a baby, not as a conquering warrior on a horse. That will be when he returns in the book of Revelation and then in the future. But he came as a baby, weak things of the world to confound the mighty. He was born to die. Now, when he died on the cross, stop for a moment and see why is it the power of God? Why is it the power of God? Because on that cross, Jesus, whom the Bible says all things were created by Him. Do you know even time was created by Him? But He died within the time zone, right? He confined Himself in time. Even though He is God, He confined Himself in time. Amen. Someone said, I, I don't see one, one Jewish guy, an unbeliever said this. I, I can't see how, how, how man referring to Jesus. How man tries to be like God. He doesn't believe in deity of Jesus. The problem is that I would tell him this. The mystery is actually this, that God will become a man. Not that some man is, is trying to be like God, but God became a man. And for God to become a man, there's no problem. For man to become a God, that's a problem. Huge problem. Amen. So God became a man and in the person of Jesus Christ. He came in, and the Word became flesh and died on the cross. Now, when you think about the cross, it's outside time. So He can die for all those who live before the cross and all those who live after the cross. So every miracle, every healing, every blessing before the cross from the time of Adam, the miracles of, of Abraham, the blessing of, of Sarah's womb and the deliverance of Lot and all the blessings that came on, Abra on Abraham's seed, the nation of Israel and all the blessings on David and all the men of God and all that. Every blessing, Naaman's blessing even, everything is paid for at the cross. In other words, all the blessing has got to be paid for righteously. It's not free for nothing. Amen. Or else, it'd be an infringement on God's throne. Amen. So it's paid for, but how is it paid for? Just like your visa card. Your visa card is not actually a payment. Hey people, your visa card is not a payment. The real payment is done when, they, when, the, when the bill comes in and they say you got, you're supposed to pay this amount, right? So your, your, your visa is actually a, like a promissory note. It's like you, 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 you will pay, right? But a lot of people trans, transfer that into a payment. It's not a payment and you need to get the mentality right. Now they just want you to buy things at the push of your fingertips. It's getting easier and easier because you don't realize 120 only no problem, you should press. 120 no problem, next thing you know, you're paying a lot. That's how they get you in debt. That's the wisdom of the world. They sit down, you know people sit down and think of how they get you in debt. And God's wisdom is about getting you out of debt. Whether it's sin debt or any other debt. Amen? So here we have every blessing that was given to the people in the Old Testament was actually looking to the cross, looking to the future of the cross. Every blessing, that woman that Jesus said to her, who was caught in adultery, Jesus said to her, go and sin no more. Did he say that? Yes. But before that, what did he say? Neither do I condemn you. How can Jesus tell her, neither do I condemn you? How can he say that? He can say that because he will pay for her sin. As she walks away, Jesus is like Jesus saying to the Father, put that on my tab. 
when the leper came to Jesus, and for years he's never touched this little boy who's growing up really fast. And he, he, he's like, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And the Lord touched him, and he was cleansed. And he goes home to his boy. He goes home to his family. It's like Jesus looking at the Father and saying, put that on my tablet. Every blessing must be paid for. Because how can sinful men get things they don't deserve? Because somebody paid that you might have it. Can I be a good amen? So for those after the cross, and all of us are included in that, we look back to the cross. It's easier to look back to the cross. For the Old Testament people, all right, they look towards the cross. Can I be a good amen? So Jesus has come, and he has paid the price, and now all your blessings have been paid for. So today, the devil, uh, the Jews, for example, they, they cannot see that the cross is actually the power of God. Their healing is there. Their protection is there. Their well-being is there. Their blessings are all there. And it's all paid for. They're looking for power. They're looking for miracles. And it's all found there. And yet, you know, we cannot receive a miracle when we know we don't deserve it. For example, if you go to the ATM today, and you punch in, you know, your, your, your PIN number and all that, and then your ATM gives you the amount that you want, and you look at the available balance. The sad part is always the available balance. <laughs> Whenever you pull out your money, it's never increasing, right? Right? Never increases, right? Does it? <laughs> but you know you have $1,000 left. But now you look at it, you thought you saw another, another few zeros. And you look at it again, my goodness, it's actually six zeros. And you're wondering, my goodness, what's going on? So at first you look at it again and you say, you ask your, your little boy to come and look at this, how many zeros there? He come, one, two, three, six zeros. <gasps> you rejoice, right? Amen? And then what do you do? You go to Hermes! <laughs> or Sarah, whatever. Okay. Defending. No, no, you don't do that, right? You don't do that if you're a normal person. First of all, you rejoice and then you stop in something. Wait, is there right? Is it a right? Is it legal? That's the word righteous. Can I receive this legally? Is there an explanation for this? Is there a, a or else if I do it, will I get caught? Will I, you know, I must know why it's there. And then you receive, you call up the bank, and the bank says, oh, yeah, 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 your name is this, yes, yes, this is your number. Yes, one million dollars have been deposited in your account. Yes, yes. Uh, who deposited? We don't have any uh, record here. We're not uh, clear to declare to you, but it's legal, it is, it is righteous, it is legal. Do you hear that? It's legal, it's yours. Now you put down the phone, what do you do? You don't put down the phone nowadays, you just click. <laughs> See the old fashioned, put down the phone. What do you do, what do you do? You rejoice, yeah, now we go, Hermes. A handbag I'm looking for, amen. Now you can rejoice, but before that you can't. So, Likewise, you know, we, we need to know, even the, the Jews that are believing God for their miracle, for their healing, deep down, they know they cannot receive because there is that self-condemnation, that, that, that conscience that tells them, you don't deserve it, how can you receive it? And that's what holds a lot of people from receiving from God. Amen? So once you see the cross, wow, the cross is the power of God. Amen? Because at the cross, even the Greeks, they seek after wisdom, they don't realize the cross is the wisdom of God. Who would have thought even the, the most brilliant legalist, the uh, greatest lawyer there is, the devil besides Jesus, you know, uh, and the devil comes up close, but he, he knows the, the, the judicial 
uh, a system of God. He looks at the cross and he's thinking, I, I never thought of that. Never thought of that. That God will maintain his righteousness by letting his son die. I never count on that. And the devil comes and says, how can you bless uh, 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 Gabriel with healing? How can you give him this undeserved favor that you just gave him? And, 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 and God says, devil, don't look at him. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. How can you forgive him of all his sins? He's a great sinner. And God says, well, look at the cross. I don't see his sins on him. There. There. Go find his sins there on the cross. So today, listen. Righteousness on God's side would demand Gabriel's acquittal. Because his substitute died in his place. Can I have a good amen, people? Because his substitute died in his place, now God's righteousness is on Gabriel's side. God's righteousness demands his acquittal, demands his justification, demands his healing, demands his blessing. Can I have a good amen? The wisdom of God in the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ silenced all the enemy's accusations. The roaring lion is now a whimpering soft cat. He has no accusation to level against us before God. Amen. What about the law of God? This is a beautiful part. The Bible used the word magnify the law. The cross magnified the law. How? By putting us back under law? No. It magnified the law by fulfilling it. In other words, the law for years has been cursing because the law cannot, the law is inflexible. If the law even leaves one finger to help you, it's no more the law. The law is inflexible. But the law has blessing on one hand and curse on the other hand. Blessing if you keep the law, a curse if you don't. So guess which part we spend our time often? The blessing or the curse? The curse. So the law is faithful to curse, to curse, to curse, to curse, to curse. And finally, when Jesus died at the cross, the, law, the law's curse fell on Jesus. And because of the quality of the man, he's no ordinary man that died there. Don't forget, he's outside time zone, and also the quality of the man, he's worth more than... Billions and billions of people put together and more that don't even exist. He's worth much more. And because of that, the curse fell on him. He exhausted the curse. Therefore, today, when you sin, there is no curse over your head. Now, if you just came in just now, you would think, that's heresy! That's because you didn't come early. <laughs> Alright? So you just hear see. You hear say. Then you anyhow say. No, listen carefully. We are all against sin, but the way out of sin. Let me ask you a question. When a when 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 a person feels loved and just feel that he's under God's unclouded favor, feels loved even by his loved ones, his family, and you know, he feels like you know his heart is full of faith, full of joy, full of peace. That's one scenario. And another person is depressed, doesn't feel like God favors him, feel like he's under God's demands all the time. Which one is more inclined to sin? I rest my case. Amen? So what we are after, people, is to bring us to a true Christian posture. A true Christian state, if you will. Amen? The cross is where the law's demands all of God's claims, righteous claims, holy claims, judicial claims, 
on you, on your life, on my life, has all been satisfied. Fully met in the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I have a good amen? So today, we are not under the claims of God. We are under the provisions of God. So God doesn't just say, be holy. He provides you the gift to be holy. Amen. doesn't just say, you know, uh, 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 do this. Amen. He loves you into doing it. Amen. So that, that's the Christian life right now. Praise the Lord Jesus. Are you following what I'm saying so far? So at the cross, not only is the, the, the enemy is silenced, the law is magnified, God is satisfied. All of God's claims are fully met. And that's why Jesus cried, finish at the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's continue here. Um, drop down to verse uh, 28. God chose the base things of the world. So I read that God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the, the wise, weak things of the world to confound the mighty. Now we come to the base things of the world and things which are despised God has chosen. So when you see your pastor, for example, <clears throat> why did God choose him? Well, it tells you that, right? All right? Despise and base. So just like God choose, chooses like a dairy farm boy. Amen? Who would have thought to choose a dairy farm boy and turn him into a world evangelist? So God chose a boy who is a stammerer. In fact, I was a teen, teenage stammerer even in my teenage years. I was stammering. I can't even stand up in my class. And today, the miracle is obvious. And I say that to the glory of God. So God loves doing things like this. God loves to use weak things to confound the mighty, base things to confound the, 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 the wise. God loves to use weak things to confound the strong. And it's God's way. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, you are missing out on your miracle, on your blessings, on your favor, uh, uh, and the things that will, will work in your life because you are looking for the great, for the mighty. You are looking at the world system. You are trying to make yourself, when you pray, you pray really hard. You know, what is pray hard? People say, hey, pray hard. Hey, Lord, it's my situation. Must pray hard, pray hard. Hey, pray hard. What's pray hard and what's pray soft? It's not whether you pray hard or you pray soft. It's who you pray to, is it? You pray hard in front of a tree, it's not going to work. The tree will be wet, but it's not going to work. So what is pray hard? What is pray soft? Can I show you something? Sometimes, like I showed you just now, there's no more prayer left. Does that mean that, oh, too bad, too bad. All right, in the uh, prayer course that I took a number of years ago, it says you must pray in faith, you must, pr must pray like this, you must address God properly, you must... What if you don't have a prayer left inside you? Will God still hear your prayer? No, 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 no. You must pray properly. Wow, what's pray properly? Sometimes I think some of the biggest problem is that we pray too properly. We are praying to ourselves and to one another. We're trying to impress each other, you know. But can you say, you know, like Bible says, likewise, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses. Because we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit Himself helps us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, you know what's groaning? I check out the word, stagnatmos in the Greek. It means groaning. It also means sighing. Stagnatmos is the noun, stenazo, sigh, is the verb. So, you all know how to sigh? Oh, this guy got worried. Look, his wife sighing because he gets that a lot from his wife. Driving down the road, wife looking at him. He comes back from work, wife looking at him. It's not referring to the kind of sighing. 
Okay? <sighs> Take a sin. You know? It's not that kind of sighing. Alright, we're talking about the kind of sighing where you sigh to God. And it's a prayer. And it's, you know, all of a sudden, the Lord comes with your miracle, your blessing. And you say, Lord, uh, 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 why, why are you here? You pray. I didn't pray. I've not been praying for the past week, Lord. And the Lord said, you pray. No, I just sigh. I heard your prayer. That's a prayer. Just a groan will reach the throne. Just a groan will reach the throne. You know, from there, I learned that sometimes we complicate things. Sometimes we don't have a prayer left. How about this? Can you say, would you say that this prayer, Father, help me, is a desperate prayer? Father, help me. Would you say it's a desperate prayer? But sometimes we can't even pray that. Father, help me. We can't even say that. So can you say, Father, drop the word me. Father, help. Can you? Some people cannot. cannot I can't even say that, Pastor. Can you say, Father? Can? Cannot. How about this? <sighs> <laughs> then God says to his angels, go, go, go. They just pray. Come on, hallelujah. God uses the simple things of the world. Now, some of you are saying, uh, he's making things very simple. He's making this. No, I think God did. Then, would you like me to prove that? Number one, I told you just now, groaning that cannot be uttered is the word stenagmos, which is groaning. Oh, you groan to God. It's like, uh, you got no, your whole, your groan and your sigh, stenazo, sigh, which is uh, the, the, the verb for stagnamos. Actually, the word there means groan. You've got no other words to say. <sighs> you know, it's like, you sigh to God. The same word, the only time stagnamos is used, groaning. The other place is when Stephen was preaching in Acts 7, and Stephen was recounting the history of Israel. Then he says that about the time that God appeared to uh, Moses at the burning bush, and God commissioned him to be uh, Israel's deliverer. And this is what God said. I have seen the oppression of my people and I've heard their stagnatmos, their groaning. But you look carefully, all right? For years, they never groan. Sometimes we are so strong, we are so self-dependent, we don't even groan. Was it God's will for them to go in bondage one extra year? You know, that from the time of Joseph, there arose a king after Joseph that knew not Joseph and then brought the people of Israel under his kingdom as slaves. I counted the time from that year until the time God raised Moses to be the deliverer. 215 years. Wow, it's a long time. How many ask the question, how come God didn't come in earlier? How come God, you know, we ask that in our lives. How come God didn't intervene earlier? Right, many of us, we, 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 we don't realize that for Israel, there's no record that they've grown. And this is recorded for us here in Exodus chapter 2. Now it happened in the process of time, the king of Egypt died, the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out. And then the bondage got really bad, then they groaned. They didn't even say they groaned to God, but God would take it. They groaned. And then they cried out, and the cry came up to God because of the bondage. God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. It's almost like when they grow, they activate the covenant. And God was just waiting for them because covenant is two sides. You understand what I'm saying? It's two sides. And, but many of us, we think they're going to pray perfect prayers. But there are times they cannot even pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We just, we are, we are without prayer. But even then, we need to know that it's the weak things that confound the mighty. Today, if I teach this in a prayer seminar, they will tell me, thank you very much, Pastor Prince. You and your grace thing can go outside. 
But you know something, people? It is actually the greatest prayer you can pray. Well, give me an example Jesus did that. I'm glad you asked. There's an incident whereby there was a, a man with an impediment in his speech and he was deaf. And they brought him to Jesus. Then Jesus looking up to heaven. How I many know that heaven is the source of every good thing? And the Bible says Jesus looked up to heaven, touched the man, and he sighed. The word sigh here is the verb for stagnamos, stenazo. He sighed and said to him, Ifata, be open. Immediately his ears were open, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Jesus sighed. Everybody, you know how to sigh? Let's do it. That's a prayer. If it's all towards God, it's like you look, look towards heaven. Don't have to physically all the time, but like in your heart you look towards heaven. It's a prayer. If you are really, really burdened with something, you can just sign to God. And God consider it a prayer. And God will respect you. God will acknowledge the covenant that He has with you. And He'll bring you your rescue and your help. The angels go for. Amen. Maybe our prayers are too complicated. Amen. We treat the devil like, you know, before you can cast the devil out, you gotta know the name. You know, you want to know name for what? How about his IC number? <laughs> but we did that in those days, you know, many years ago, in, in, the, in the church I came from, I was the youth president and uh, in my youth ministry. I remember we, we would do that kind of thing. We would, and I, I was involved, I told you before, I was involved in uh, casting out demons with Pastor Henry. I had a lady with a male voice, macho voice, speak through her throat to me out loud. I can hear, spoke to me out loud. I want her mind. No, no kidding. I told Pastor Henry, I'm going to pray you. Take over. Right? <laughs> Amen. Demons are real. These things are real. When it came out, it felt like, uh, you know, the back of a dump truck was just uh, like a sewage smell. It just came into the entire living room. I kid you not, when a demon came out. Of course, we cast the thing out of the lady. Pastor Henry still remembers that. But demons are real. But in fact, those days must know the name. You know, we, we complicate things. Like, for example, we ask the name. What, what do you expect them to say? How many of you are down there? Uh, about seven of us. <laughs> name yourself. Shopping spirit. <laughs> We're the first one. Name yourself. Sarah. <laughs> Next one. Gucci. Next one. Hermes. All of you come out. They came out. If I like it, yes. If I head back, yes. Today we know we don't even have to make people demon conscious. Just pray for them in Jesus' name. The simpler your prayer, the more powerful it is. All of Jesus' powerful prayers are actually very short. <laughs> Take a pen, go to the Gospels, you'll find it very short. He groaned another time, and this time it was at Lazarus' tomb. And Lazarus has been dead four days. And the Bible says Jesus came to the tomb and he groaned in the spirit. Twice it mentioned that he groaned. And then he looked up to heaven after he told them to roll away the stone. And he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Well, if you check, you didn't find him praying a, 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 a verbal prayer anywhere. But he did groan. And he says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And people say, you know, Jesus didn't pray groaning prayers. He didn't pray sighing prayers. Well, I just showed you he prayed his sigh. 
Maybe we complicate things so much. Maybe we're not looking at the people that are within our week in our company. Maybe we're not considering people that, that are despised. I was in school, uh, in secondary school, and I'm always the last one to be chosen. In, the, in a football game, they will choose me last. And then with this kind of look, okay, you are my team. You know, the kind of, I was the kind of boy, I was that boy, okay? No one wants to have me on their team. They don't want to, you know. Um, it's like because of the way I look as well. They, they, this side do not know whether I'm their side or this side doesn't know I really belong to them, you know. So I'm always in between. But today I understand that God made me the way I am, so I can make jokes about Indians and make jokes about Chinese, and both cannot be offended because I'm a Chindian. But actually, I'm a new creation. I'm God's new breed. Mm. Amen. Is that a purpose for everything? But you know, when you're a child, it's very sensitive. Everything becomes very magnified. But you see, God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. There was a king called Jevin. He's the king of Canaan. And he, the Bible uses the word, he harshly oppressed Israel. Israel had committed uh, idolatry at this time. And, and because of that, God allowed them to go into captivity to this king Jevin of Canaan. And he has a commander in chief. His name was Sisera. Say Sisera. During this time, they harshly oppressed Israel for 20 years. And he has, Sisera has, has chariots of iron, the Bible says. And for 20 years, they were under oppression. So finally, they always end up, when they cry out, then the covenant is activated. Sometimes we are so strong, we won't even cry out. We are so strong, we won't even sigh. We are so strong that we don't even, you know. So, cried out and God raised a woman God raised a woman you know in, now women I know that you you're kingdom minded you know that Bible says women are weaker vessel now I don't believe the word weaker vessel there means weaker in intelligence weaker in uh, wisdom no weaker means weaker physically and women naturally speaking you're weaker Man is stronger. Now I know, Pastor Prince, you didn't realize last night you carried me, almost threw me off the balcony. Now understand, there are guys, there are women, there are guys who are very weak, and there are women who are physically strong, but... <laughs> I didn't feel like telling her, live the leg of life, man. I didn't want to tell her that. <clears throat> but generally speaking, women are weaker physically. And that's why, you know, we, we need to protect them. We... we open the door for them. We treat them, the Bible treat them as if they are the weaker vessel, even if they are strong, okay? Amen? It's time for women to be really feminine and it's time for men to be really masculine. Never mind. Say amen, Pastor Prince. Amen? Yeah. There is a difference. I cannot bear babies. I really cannot bear babies. I try my best, I cannot bear babies, okay? I cannot. No matter how much I try, I cannot. I'm a man. You're a woman. Without how much you can't become a man. Pastor Prince, you're treading on dangerous ground. Soft, thin eyes. Oh, really? <laughs> you like that? Slow motion. Okay. All right. It's time for us. You know, the Bible says, you know, when a man is a man, a woman feels feminine. Amen? When a, a, a woman is feminine, the man feels like protecting her. Amen? So forget about all the wisdom of the world. Amen? 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying, ladies? Even you're strong, pretend. <laughs> yeah, okay, anyway. I know a few of you are not happy about it, so what? Anyway, the thing is this. The Bible says God used the weak things of the world. So what happened is this. God used a woman called Deborah as a judge during this time of the harsh oppression of Israel by this King Jabin, whose commander-in-chief was a, was a harsh, vicious man by the name of Sisera, who was chariots of iron. And then uh, there was a, a, a small army that Israel raised under this commander called Barak. But Barak's mistake was that instead of putting his trust in the Lord, he put his trust in Deborah. He says to Deborah, you know, you come with me to the battlefield. And Deborah says, I will judge here and you go. But because of what you just did, the glory will not go to you in the victory of this battle. The victory will go to a woman, another woman. So what happened was this. God intervened in the battle. And it's always God's, God is always intervening in the battles of Israel. Even the Six-Day War in 1967, they were totally outnumbered on all sides. And yet... On the sixth day, they had the victory. God intervened. He always intervenes. So God intervened, and all of a sudden, the, the tide shift, and Israel had the upper hand. And the uh, commander-in-chief, Sisera, he, he, he ran away, and he found a tent of a lady called Jael. Say Jael. And he found this tent. He went into the tent, and he thought he was safe because the tent didn't look Israeli. And he told her, uh, because her husband was out fighting as well for Israel, but because her husband is not naturally Israel, so she said, you know what, you know, uh, I can hide in this tent, but do you have any water? He's very thirsty. Give me some water. Instead, she gave him milk. You know what milk does? Makes you sleepy. He was very tired. He was thirsty. He drank the milk, and he fell asleep. And the Bible says, Jael took a ten pack. Now, this is not a... a, 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 a Tam tech. It's not your mahjong table tam tech. All right, it is really a ten pack. She put it right over his head. It wasn't a tam tech. Ding. All right, it was really a, a big pack right over his head. She threw the hammer. She smashed his head. That ends the oppression of the and 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 straight away the the victory when they realized that Cicero is dead. The whole army fled. They were defeated. The glory never went to Barak. Went to a homemaker, a housewife, if you would. Amen. Who trusted God. God uses the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. That's why I, I don't believe, I don't believe what Hollywood paints of when they talk about Goliath is always so big. <laughs> I'm strong. I'm so strong. I'm so strong. My name is Samson. I'm strong. <laughs> I don't believe that at all. I, I believe Samson is a guy who is so skinny. Nowhere in the Bible does it say he's strong. That's why the Holy Spirit must come on him before he can accomplish a physical feat. Like when he unhooked the gates of brass in Gaza and brought it all the way on his back to uh, Hebron, quite a number of miles away. All right? And he did when the Spirit of God came on him. When the Spirit of God came on him, he could rent the lion apart. Amen? That's right. Or else, why, why the need? If he's physically strong, he can run a lion or whatever, but the Spirit of God must come on him. So I believe it was a skinny guy with long hair. Looks like a girl, isn't it? Skinny guy, long hair. When he moves around, he sounds like an anklong. You know the anklong, the musical instrument, the pieces of wood put together. And he has, he has a, he's a type that moves around real fast in anklong sound. Not only that, when he goes into a shower, he must run around to get wet. Go on, shower. Okay, you get the revelation. Anyway, I believe he's the kind of guy. Amen. So that God will get the glory. 
He grew up with long hair. He, he, he must never cut his hair. Got a Nazarite vow. So he looked like a woman anal. Kids can be quite tough and cruel sometimes with each other. They can call each other names. They probably get a lot of female names. And he grew up with that. Things that are despised, God uses to confound the strong. Amen. I mean, jawbone of a donkey. He took the jawbone. That's all he had. Not a weapon in his hand, not a, 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 a GPS machine gun. Just a jawbone of a donkey. How do you get a jawbone of a donkey? A donkey walked by one day. Donkey had a heart stroke, whatever, uh, sunstroke, whatever, fell off, died. It takes something not enough yet. It can't be used yet. And then his, uh, all the vultures come, consume his flesh and all that, left bones. They cannot be used yet. And the bones also fell off. And finally, jawbone left. Okay, can. They said, God still uses the jawbone of donkeys to preach. What did I just say? <laughs> Who is it, Pastor Print? Who is it, darling? Hee haw? Hee haw? <laughs> hey, that was pretty good. Came on the spur of the moment, praise God. Now God says, I can use this donkey's jawbone. And he used a jawbone and he killed 1,000 Philistines. <coughs> David was the same. David, one stone. They thought he would come with a sword. I mean, the champion of Philistines, nearly 10 foot up, strong, man of experience, fought in many battles, has scalps maybe hang on his side. And look at this boy, and he, he felt so insulted. He said, you come to me with a stick, <laughs> shepherd's rod. <laughs> you come to me with a stone. What's this? You know, I want to be hurt in a dignified way, at least. But he didn't realize. One stone went up, and the giant came tumbling down. The weak things of the world can found the mighty. Maybe you're looking too far. Maybe you're looking too much. Maybe you're doing too much. Maybe you're not realizing the answer is right at your doorstep. Maybe it's near you. To be safe. You know how to be saved? Yeah, Jesus did everything at the cross. But to be safe, the word is near you. So near you. Hey, it's so near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That's how close salvation is. That if you will confess Jesus Christ is your Lord, believe in your heart, bang, you're saved. All that Jesus did on the cross becomes yours. But the devil doesn't want you to think that way. He must make you think that Christian life is very hard. Are you sure you can continue? Yeah, you, you receive now, don't be a hypocrite. Can you continue your life? It makes you think of all that kind of thing. Right? But actually, that's not Christian life. It's just salvation is just to be received now in a simple way. Saving with your mouth and believing your heart is yours. Amen. When finally the sign of his weakness was cut, Samson's hair was cut, he became weak. And what was the beginning of his restoration of his strength, true strength from God, when his hair grew again? In other words, when he acknowledged his own weakness, that's when his strength was restored. People, your disqualification is not your disqualification. As far as God is concerned, your disqualification is actually your qualification. So don't be ashamed of your disqualification. Can I have a good amen? Uh, I look at Gideon, for example. Uh, he was trashing wheat. Now, his scenario is different. He was under the Midianites. And I feel that Christians nowadays, in this, in this time that we are living in, we are also under the glare of the Midianites. Pastor Prince, you're so corny. Yeah, I know. Joseph gave bread. Bible calls it corn. Anyway, 
He was thrashing Bali, and the angel of the Lord appeared, that's Jesus, appeared to him, and said, hey, hail you mighty man, you valiant man. And he says, where, where, Gideon did. Where, where, where is the God of miracles? Where is the God of miracles? And here, the Lord is calling him mighty man, valiant man. And he says, why, why call me? He says, I, I, I'm from the least tribe at the time, Manasseh, the least tribe. And he says, and my family is the least of the families in Manasseh. And my family is the least of all the families within Manasseh. He said, what would you call me? And the Lord says, go in this, your might. Now, we forget the word this. Right after he says, I'm the least, God says, go in this, your might. In other words, your might is this. You being little. Your disqualification is your might. Go in this, your might. Jehovah Shalom. Amen. The Lord is your peace. Be at peace. So, he went to battle. Then he, he tried to recruit as many people as possible during the time. By the way, the enemies, Midianites are a crazy bunch of people. They... You know, sometimes it's easier to kill people. I mean, to, to kill, you'd rather be killed than to suffer slowly, torturously. What they did was that Israel would come and, and, and harvest their crop or, or plant their crops. And when the harvest time came, the uh, Midianites would come in and just take over the crop with all their livestock and all that, just like locusts, the Bible says, and go back to the mountain. For seven years, they did that. They, they truly, I mean, impoverished Israel. Israel would rather have a battle where they die than to have this slow death. So anyway, what was the army that he recruited? 1,000 plus people. And God says, Gideon, your army is too large. <laughs> you ever hear this? <laughs> In any army for that matter, today it's all boasting what numbers of China has this number of standing army. Russia has this number of standing army. And, and uh, US is in Singapore. Ah, God uses the weak things of the world. Hallelujah. Don't forget, new creation churches in Singapore. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God be the glory. Really pray for your nation. Amen. God uses small things. May all the aisles praise Him. So, finally, God says, too many. And God, you know the story, dwindled down all the way to 300. 300. Now God says, I can use you. 300, by the way, this is the original 300, not Hollywood. <laughs> they copy from the Word of God. Amen? They copy from the Holy Word. This is the original 300. With 300 men, and the man says, what are our weapons? Okay, stand straight. Stand in a row. They are your weapons. Wife, come. Bring the vessels. Earthen vessel, yeah, your weapon. Uh, earthen vessel, now. Nah. Take this pot. Take this pot. The other one, another. what's this? He's going to do a crack pot or what? You know, it's all earthen vessels. And then not only that, he says, inside there's a lamp. You will light the lamp when I tell you to. Uh, maybe there's a real weapon coming. Wife, bring the next weapon. Here comes ram's horn. And here, one for you, one for you, one for you, one for you, one for you. Now you're fully armed. And then, amazing thing happened. God knew that his disposition is very much like me, like you. He's nervous type, he needs affirmation, he needs, he needs encouragement. So before the battle, he and his, one of his guys went crawling near the Midianite's camp. And then there were two security guards, two sentry guards there. They were discussing with each other about their, one of them, about his nightmare. I had a dream last night. So his friend said, what was your dream? I, I dreamt. Very funny thing happened. Rolling from the top of the hill where the Israelis are, all right, there was a small piece of barley bread. Now, barley bread is food for the poor. 
Wheat bread, wheaten bread is food for the rich. This was a humble, simple barley bread rolling down the hill. And then it smacked the tent, one tent of the Philistines, of uh, Midianites, and all the tents broke down, destroyed, just by one bread. And then the other guy said, this must be the hand of the Lord. This means we're going to be defeated. So Gideon heard this. What is the, the bread, the barley bread? It's our Lord Jesus. The word median means strife. In any strife situation, put Jesus in the situation. When there's strife, just put Jesus in the situation. When, when people are discussing and they get really worked up and all that, put Jesus in the situation. Let's not forget, it's all about Jesus. It's not about us being right and who is right and who is wrong. It's about Jesus being glorified. You know, that's why I told some of the brethren here and there, you know, we may disagree on a lot of things, but let's agree that Jesus should be glorified. You know, you might disagree with me on grace on many things, but let's agree that Jesus should be glorified. I think we are on the same page on that. There's no problem. Let's roll that, that, that bread into the tents of the strife, of the tents of Midian. Amen. Can I have a good amen? So uh, he was ready for the battle. Next day he says, you do as you see me do. So they went around the tent on the, on the hilltop, and this is what they did. They lit up the lamp inside. You can see through the earthen vessel. And there's a picture here in 2 Corinthians that tells us we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And that's why you are still nervous. That's why you still are given to bouts of depression. That's why you're still given to, sometimes you're strong in faith when you're not. But something inside you is a treasure. That is a treasure. But you are an earthen vessel. But you have a treasure within. So there are times you feel knocked around, but you're never knocked out the treasure. Sometimes you feel, you feel discouraged, the earthen vessel, but there's an encouraged end inside courage lifting you up. And sometimes you really want to feel sad, your earthen vessel, but you cannot be really, really sad like the time before you receive Christ because there's a joy from within. You still sense that it lifts you up. So you have this treasure in earthen vessel. Why didn't God just bring us home after he saves us? We are saved, bring us home. Why did God leave us here? And why didn't God just change our bodies? He will one day when the rapture happens. Amen? We'll get our new bodies. But why not now? Because God wants to demonstrate that the glory is His. That we are nothing but earthen vessels. We have short memories sometimes. Some of you are prosperous today. Some of you are blessed in many ways. And I'm glad to see you blessed. As your pastor, I'm very happy. But if ever you're blessed to the point that you forget your roots and how it all started, once upon a time, you had nobody around you. You don't even have a family. You were alone. Maybe you're just a boy, just having nothing, seeing no future. And then the Lord gave you one by one all these blessings. Amen. But now, you hardly even come to church. Because there's another million to, to make. There's another 70,000 to close. There's this, or whatever it is. I'm using business as an illustration. You can apply to any area. But you forget where your roots are. I remember one time, uh, this guy in my church, our church, that came to me. I, I saw him from school days in our youth service all the way up to his work, uh, working days. And I saw him grow. He trusted God. I prayed for him. Trusted God for favor, wisdom. That's what we teach in those days as well. You know, and he believed God. And God started blessing him. Blessing him from one level you know, of his employment to another until he became the top person in his company. All right, top person in marketing, all right, and the boss is thinking of promoting him even further. And then one day he came to me. I can tell, I can tell by the way he walks that some something has changed. He walked to me like, 
<laughs> you know, Pastor Prince, uh, I don't know, you know, Pastor Prince, I, I mean, I always hear you say God's favor, God's grace, it's not us, it's not our effort, you know, but, but really I, uh, how to say it, I know it's God's favor, okay, Pastor Prince, I know it's God's grace and wisdom, but I really work hard, you know, to get this position, I work hard, all those years, there are times I, I didn't go home, there are times I work overtime, I work very hard, and, and here I am, and so, what, what's your problem, I ask him, my, my, my problem is this, I don't know which part is God and which part is me, you know, I'm confused, so I, I grab his hand and I say, I'll stop your confusion right now, I'm going to pray to God right now, and God will hear my prayer, I'm going to pray that whatever God's part is, of giving you wisdom, favor, understanding, all right, he will take it all away. Protecting you, opening doors for you. Anything he does, he will remove. He will only leave you to what is your effort. All right, we'll pray for that right now so we'll know there'll be no more confusion. <laughs> so I said, Father, oh, <laughs> what's up? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, he did a walk. Hey, I'm just saying. You know, Pastor Prince, uh, no, la, I guess uh, I'm a bit confused, la, but you know, he did a, a, a backstroke. Because I would have prayed. I'm serious. Any of you uh, have this kind of confusion and dilemma? God is not the author of confusion. I can pray for you. The Bible says God holds your breath in your nostrils. I can pray for you that God remove his intervention. Amen? We don't realize how you know, God makes his rain to fall on the just and the unjust. God is too gracious to people out there who don't even know him. He loves them. If God is uh, not gracious to us, we'll never be uh, uh, preserved long enough to be saved, man. We forget. We forget too easily. Today, God has blessed us, you know, whether we are successful in our business, our ministry, you know, our, our relationships, our family life, people praise us. Let's not forget where it all began. Let's give Him all the praise and the glory. And have a good evening. The wisdom of God at the cross. Amen. And the church has all kinds of practices that when the world sees, they are wondering what's going on. Like, you know, people ask me sometimes, why don't you have overnight prayer? Like I said, prayer does, it's not a matter of, you overnight means magical. God says, they passed 12, my goodness, they passed 12 midnight and they prayed. You better answer their prayers, angels go, you know? It's not a matter of that. You know, we have this idea, more prayer means, I got a book that says much prayer, much power. You know, sometimes it's, I understand the principle, but it can condemn you as well. Amen? But how many feel that you can sigh? <sighs> Even do it while I'm preaching. Yeah, Pastor Prince, the longer you go, the more I sigh. <laughs> no wonder God is hearing your prayer. You, huh? All right, anyway. I'm back in those days, in my previous church, I was a youth pastor and I remember gathering our leaders together and say, we're going to go for overnight prayer. They'll say, Amen, Pastor Prince, let's go for it. Let's go for overnight prayer. You know, overnight prayer means you, you pray. In those days, we pray conversationally. We take turns to pray. We are, we are all in a circle and we take turns to pray. So my leaders, my youth leaders all around and we're going to pray through the night. But usually overnight prayer, I'm not, I'm not condemning anyone practicing overnight prayer. But I'm just saying that if it works for you, go for it. I just find that overnight prayer is not overnight prayer many a times. It's overnight gossip. You know, yeah, have you heard about so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so? Yeah, we better pray for them, you know. Then another sister, yeah, I found out that so-and-so. I'm just saying that for prayer, okay? I'm just saying it for prayer. So let's pray for them. And then we pray, and we sit down there, we talk, 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 and we pray. And then we talk, 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 we pray. 
the gossip, gossip, and I pray. And then, best of all, overnight prayer, you're on your knees and your head is on the floor. Very dangerous position for overnight prayer. So I remember uh, my, my youth leaders, they're young and just, they just want to do what's right. Our hearts are all in the right place. We read somewhere, we heard a preacher preach about overnight prayer, the power of overnight prayer. There's also the power of early morning prayer. There's also the power of one hour prayer. Man, we, we, I've been through it. So I tried overnight prayer. We sat down there, all right, our knees and our head, foreheads on the floor. As we were praying, as I was praying, leading them and all that, I could hear groanings all of a sudden. One guy started groaning. And he sounded like this. Then another guy down here started sighing. No, it's not stagnamos. It's not stenazo. One by one went off. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, this whole thing is a disaster. You know what's happening? It's my youth leaders. You know, all them are, you know, and they were on their knees. I mean, God bless their sincere hearts. And they were on their knees, their head was down there, and they were gone. So that was the end of the overnight prayer. We have tried our best. So I'm not knocking any church, anyone, any ministry doing that. If it works for you, fine. Amen. Go for it. But really, um, uh, let's really go after Hasid wisdom. Right? It's not the form. It is what your relationship with God is. And best of all, whether in your mind you have changed, you have repented, you, have, you see God, like what I shared today. Amen? So let, let me finish and then we'll close. Back to uh, 1 Corinthians, we'll finish it off. Why does God do all this? Why does He use the weakness, weak things of the world to confound the mighty <coughs> and foolish things to confound the wise? And the things which are not. You know what's that? Things which are not. To bring to naught the things that are. To bring to naught. God, God takes zero things to put to zero things that exist. So let's say there's a tumor. You know how God put an end to the tumor? By using things that don't exist. Whoa. Can you see your words? No, you can't. But your words that are not can put to not things that are. So, can you see your debt? Yes. Can, how to put to not the debt? Words cannot be seen. So, many of times we don't realize that God actually has all these things at our disposal. But we look for things that's beyond, stronger. You know, it's like, let's go. When God says, pull back. And that's the way to advance. You know, and, and, and God's way is simpler your prayer, the more powerful. You know, it's like, uh, you know, young people especially, they think that preaching with a loud voice means anointing. And I'm telling you, Samson had his hands upon the gate of grass. And he pulled up, and the whole thing was jerked off. And he put it on his back. And Samson realized, this is God. It's Friday. Mary is crying her eyes out because Jesus is in the tomb. But they don't realize it's only Friday. Sunday is a coming. Sunday is a coming. Then you almost shout, yeah, yeah. Friday. You may be going through your Friday right now, but your Sunday is coming. <laughs> so, again, I don't knock those things, okay? I'm just saying I can preach like that. Right, but I, I just don't want to go into a form. Sometimes a soft tongue breaks the bone. Right? So that, that is my style. Everyone has their own style. And God bless your style. You're no problem with that. Okay? But don't think just because volume means power. 
Okay? Oh, the things of God are very gentle, very powerful. The still small voice is what gives direction. Amen? So here, why is God doing all these things? And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things are that no flesh should glory in His presence. And the word glory there is boast. That no flesh should boast in His presence. You know why God used the weak things of the world? So no flesh can boast. When you know, like for me, I know my ministry. I'm still puzzled. I'm still, until, until today, I'm confused. In a way, that God will use me to reach out to people and lives are transformed. And, and I look at my own life and I, I, I'm not exactly, I know myself. And yet God is using a boy who's stammering, a stutterer. So all can say, the glory goes to God. Earthen vessel, the treasure is His. Amen? And people can see that. People can see that. And that's why God leaves you in your earthen vessel. And the more trials you go through, the more challenges in life, you don't realize you're shining. You only realize your earthenness, but people see the shine. And God gets the glory. No flesh can boast in His presence. Amen? After the Six-Day War, Israel actually said their armies is one of the best. And then came the 1973 Yom Kippur War. They were nearly massacred. The enemies came in really, really in, into the... It was a cry of desperation to God that the whole thing would turn around. We can never boast in the arm of flesh, our education, our smarts, our looks, our connections. We can boast in one thing. But of Him, of Him is it is of God's doing that you are in Christ Jesus. You see, you and I are today in Christ, and yet it's not our doing. It's of Him. It is of God's doing that we are in Christ Jesus, who became for us what? Wisdom from God. And not only that, and righteousness, that's the first gift we receive, right? And sanctification. What's that? Holiness. People, Jesus is your holiness. You are not your own holiness. Jesus is your sanctification. And redemption. Redemption is what? You are redeemed from the curse. You are redeemed from all sin's consequences. You are redeemed from all the penalties. You are redeemed from the curse. Even the law was happy that Jesus came. You know, baby Jesus was born. There's an old man that came to marry Joseph and Mary, the baby. And the old man's name was Simeon. Simeon, his name is Shimon in Hebrew. Shema is the greatest of all the commandments of Israel. Shema Israel, here. It means here. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. It's the greatest of all the commandments. You shall love God all your heart, all your soul. So, the, this man represents the Lord. His name is Shema, Shimon. He came and he saw the baby Jesus and he was glad he saw the baby. He took the baby from Mary's arms and he looked at God, looked to God and says, Now, Lord, my eyes have seen your Yeshua, your salvation. Let me now depart in peace. Even the law was happy that Jesus came. And then after he left, guess who came in? A woman called Hannah. And Hannah means grace. And Hannah says to everyone around there, Come, 
See this baby? See this baby? All those who look for redemption, look at this baby. Grace came after the law left. The law was very old because 1,500 years before Jesus came. He was an old man when he took baby Jesus. Even the law is happy. At the cross, the law is happy. The law is magnified. We are no more under the law because the law has been magnified. We are under grace. We are under Jesus. And remember this. Grace means what? It is Him providing, supplying. It's not us working, doing. The more we receive, the more we can do. Will you allow Him to love you? And don't be afraid of your weaknesses and your circumstance. Just be glad. Amen? That is your disqualifications that qualify you for His greatest blessings. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Give God a praise and glory. Happy birthday. I'm going to just say a word to all of you here first. Perhaps the miracle, the blessing, that favor you're looking for is right under your nose. Maybe it's in your house. Maybe it is within your relationship. But you're looking far and wide. You're looking here and there. A friend, maybe it's so close to you. God will not put things far away. When Cain killed Abel, God brought a lamb, a sin offering to his doorstep. When Israel experienced famine, just outside their gates, the gates of Samaria, there was actually lots of food that the enemies left behind out of fear one day. If only they went to the gate, none went but some lepers. And they ate the whole day until one of them said, we cannot keep this good news to ourselves. Bad things will happen if we do that. So many a times, we don't realize the blessing is at the gate. The blessing is at the door. The blessing is at your mouth. We're looking far and wide. Friend, even for those of you who have this mentality, well, it's hard for me to be a Christian. I, I, I cannot do this, I cannot do that. I don't think I can live the Christian life. Friend, your eyes are in the wrong place. That's not salvation. That's not salvation. Salvation is the Word of God is so close to you. In your mouth, the Word of faith is close to you, so nigh to you, so near. In your mouth and in your heart. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is your Lord, believe in your heart, you will be saved. So if that is you, wherever you are right now, don't worry about the Christian life. It's never meant for you to live. It's meant for Christ to live through you. Salvation is what you should be concerned about right now. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are your sins forgiven? Have you received all that Christ did for you on the cross? If not right now, you can receive it. Say this after me. Heavenly Father, say from your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son. I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is my Lord. He died on the cross for my sins. He rose again from the dead and triumphed over death for me. I'm greatly blessed, completely forgiven, highly favored, and I'm deeply loved. In Jesus' name. And all the people said, 
Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Well, stand to your feet. If you have credit prayer, we encourage you to go to the connect points. I just take some time. Go to the connect points. You'll find it's worth your while. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands all across this place. It's an act of faith. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you, Father, that sometimes, even without a prayer in our mouth, Lord, you hear even the sighing of our hearts. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you that you don't abandon us, Lord, when we start to smoke, we start to uh, give off a nasty smell and our testimony doesn't shine or it's no longer fragrant. You will never put us aside. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, keep on reminding us, Lord, that our weakness is just an open door for your strength to flow through. Father, this coming week, Lord, we know we cannot protect ourselves. We cannot protect our families. Only you can. Our eyes are upon you. We ask that you go ahead, Lord, send your angels ahead of us and make all the crooked places straight. Bring help, deliverance, succor, and favor, Father, in every situation of our life, Lord. We pray, Father in heaven, that you will also grant us, Lord, favor with everyone we meet, Lord throughout this week. Place us at the right place at the right time. Protect every family under the sound of my voice this week from every harm, from every danger, from terror. As those who are going to Israel fly, Father, protect their flight, Lord, I pray. The blood of Jesus. Protect them throughout the times they are in Israel from every harm and danger, from terror from every sickness and disease, from all the powers of darkness. And your people that are here, Lord, we pray, Father, in heaven, that they be completely protected. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name we ask. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor. Now say this, Jesus is my wisdom, Jesus. my righteousness, righteousness, my sanctification, and redemption. Amen. God bless you. Pray for me. I'll be off in Israel. Thank you. God bless you.